2: Hello, and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here for episode 124 of this show with Simone Millicis. She is an author, a business coach, and a bunch of other things. Uh, She's written a book called Joy of Business. Access joyofbusiness.com is her website. More about her in a moment. This episode is brought to you in part by the very good people who have pledged a small amount every month at patreon.com slash osher p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash osher now i don't uh make this show uh for money at this point i'm trying to i promise you i'm trying to uh but uh it isn't free to make this show it takes a lot of time to make to uh organize to research to write to record to produce to edit to publish. Each episode takes me between six and eight hours every week. And at the moment, I'm very grateful to be doing two separate jobs, which is nice uh, because as you know, in my industry and uh, pretty much I'm sure in the time that you've heard this show, I go from being incredibly busy to unemployed. Um, And so the unemployed times are coming. I know that, but right now I'm employed and I'm trying to stay as employed as I possibly can. The short version is that I'm running out of time to make this show and I do not want to stop making it. So... I am asking good people like yourself to go to patreon.com slash osher. And if you can afford to pledge something, to pledge something. If you can't afford it, don't worry. This podcast is free and these episodes will always be free. If you choose to pledge, it's up to you how much. Rewards start for as little as five bucks. For as little as five bucks a month, though, you get access to exclusive episodes, the first of which should be out right now. If you're listening to this show and you pledged on the Patreon, uh, check your inbox for a link. I would have sent you a super secret link towards uh, the first of the new episodes, exclusive episodes that only you can listen to. And it is a sequel with the one and only James Matheson, the mighty James Matheson. A lot of people asked me to do a second conversation with him. I'm looking forward to doing a whole bunch of sequels as a part of um, the exclusive episodes. going to try and get them out at least once a month, try a little bit more than that. But at this point, uh, five episodes a month uh, that's a that's a, a place to go for regular and one exclusive but what i'm saying is uh there yeah if you've pledged um please go and check your inbox because that episode is there i'm really proud of it i'm really grateful for it and uh yeah i was able to hire an audio producer with the money that you guys have, have pledged so far for this week which is great because uh, i've been able to afford somebody to help me out this week which is great a bloke by the name of andy ma andy used to uh, produce take 40 australia with me And uh, he's a wizard on Pro Tools, and I'm very, very grateful to have someone so experienced in radio, someone top shelf to be able to help me with this. Because that's what this new kind of digital broadcasting frontier is. It's not necessarily just people with a laptop and an iPhone headset mic. Um, It's very, very serious radio professionals like Andy uh, and a few other people that have produced the uh, other shows I work on, for example, on Movember Radio, who are just absolute monsters in the, the traditional broadcast industry and have extraordinary skill sets um and yeah they're worth money so that's uh that's who you're paying for this week so please if you have pledged enjoy that episode i can't wait to hear what you think about it send usher email at gmail.com uh there is, you can still pledge if you want go right ahead uh if you pledge and um it all goes ahead uh you'll get a link that sends you the uh secret episode link so that's there for you which i'm stoked about I uh, hope you are well this week. I hope whatever you're doing is good. I got some great emails through the week. People reached out on Facebook and stuff like that too, which is really nice. It's always nice to hear from people. You can email me, send your email at gmail.com. I'm on Snapchat a lot more at the moment than anything else, which is fun. Um, I got back into training this week, which is uh, very painful, but good. Um. Somehow during my bicycle accident, if you heard me sneeze the other week, somehow during my bicycle accident, I managed to tear up and damage a whole bunch of intercostal muscles and ligaments and stuff in my rib cage. So, sneezing, pooping, laughing, shitting, um, pooping and shitting are the same. Uh, anything that involves any kind of bracing of my girdle, my middle bit, uh, is painful. So. Just kind of had to grimace through that this week, but it was good. I found a new bloke to work with, Jason Clark at Performance Three Hundred and Sixty up at Brisbane, was helping me. He's such a legend, and he recommended a new guy up in Sydney. So I've been uh, starting to work with him and um, enjoying it a lot so far. Hopefully, I'll get both those guys on this show because they both have very interesting ideas uh, about health and fitness and movement when it comes to uh, staying vital and how it ties into everything else in your life, which is a really, really interesting uh, outlook, which I which really, enjoy. Really enjoy. I had a um, recording this on a Saturday. I don't know. I had a <laughs> hell of a morning, uh, but let me just say, uh, I never thought I'd hear it in context. But Gigi, my my soon to be stepdaughter, I got the, I got the classic this morning. I got the uh, "You're not the boss of me." Um, <laughs> we had a disagreement about responsibilities, as as you know. Taking the dog out because there was poop and pee on the floor, and uh the dog was whining. And you know, I'm sure everyone that's got a dog for a kid got a dog for their child, not instead of a kid. You know what I mean? And they've had the conversation when we get the dog, you're going to have to help walk it and feed it. It's going to be your responsibility. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> so uh the only weapon I had in my arsenal was, well, I'm I, I'm I'm turning off the Wi-Fi. That's it. That's all I've got. So anyway, I've got You're Not the Boss of Me this morning, which was a good one. Um, but I'm not going to lie. It's really, it's really tough because I love that kid like she was my own. I really do. And I am compelled by a hidden force I am yet to understand to protect her and to provide for her and make sure the world is safe for her um and you know i'm not i'm not uh saying anything that someone who's a parent doesn't already know but i guess this has only come over me in the last year all right so i haven't had 11 years of getting used to it um before the part where they start being ungrateful and it's on un- you know i texted my mum this morning i told her what she said i said mum i'm sorry that is karma because i got back what i gave to my mum today um and, you know, it's fine. You know, she's 12. She's figuring life out. She's just trying to figure things out as far as where her power is and trying to maintain her sense of, you know, self and, you know, her her boundaries and what she has control over, what she doesn't have control over and, you know, things like that as part of her experimenting. And that's fine. You know, that's totally fine. I get it. Like I said, I did the same thing to my mum. doesn't mean it didn't hurt. kind of hurts. I didn't think about it, but it might hurt. So, yeah, sorry, mum. Um, and thanks. Mum was kind enough to say it's okay. And she texted me some nice advice back. So that was nice. I'm sure you can, uh, I'm sure you can understand, uh, what goes on and that's all right. You know, it's totally okay. It's all just a part of being a kid. And uh, I did it. And uh, she's going to do way more than that. I'm just going to, just going to have to deal. <laughs> um, I hope, uh, you got some sleep this week. I hope you cared for yourself this week. Um, I looked at my Fitbit. and I think I've averaged about five hours and 17 minutes this week for sleep, which is not enough. So I'm going to try and get some more this week because I'm going to start to fall apart at the seams before you know it, which is no good. Um, anyway, I better get on with... Uh, worth introducing this because I'm have got a. I'm going to a wedding today, not my wedding, but I'm going, going to a wedding uh, of one of Audrey's friends, which should be fun. Um, it's always interesting to go to a wedding where you don't know anybody, which is what I'm doing today. So that'll be fun. Nice. Go see some new people, see what the world looks like from that part of the, you know, that side of the harbour. Because if you're in Sydney, you'll know that if you go to the other side of the harbour, it's essentially the dark side. So that'll be fun. Um, But let me talk to you uh, about my guest today because it does kind of tie into what I just described to you happened this morning in my life. Uh, Simone Millicis is a business coach. She's an entrepreneur. She's an author. And uh, she's a a very interesting woman who ran into a hell of a lot of trouble. She found herself in nearly $200,000 of debt. And she's found her way back out of that. and into extraordinary success and abundance and um, had a lot of joy while doing it. And it's an interesting story when you you hear it uh, and you read about it in some article or a blog post, you don't quite believe it's true, but then hearing her talk about it kind of all makes sense. Oh yeah, I guess that would, I guess that would work. So like today and this week I've used the question, she asks the question in this show, she asks, you know, what else is possible? And I, I used that question this week to get me, to reframe a few shitty things that are happening in my life. What else is possible here? What else could be going on? What else is possible? What else could happen out of this situation? And it's really helpful. That kind of reframe has been very powerful this week. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Simone was good enough to come up to uh, Hit 105, the radio station that I work at in Brisbane. And might I just say very quickly, thank you very much to everybody that does listen. We went up in the survey, which is really nice the ratings went up. Everybody's very happy about it. We worked very hard for it. We're a big team and uh, thank you everybody that supported the show up there. Super cool. Uh, That's always nice when you go up in the survey ratings. That's always nice. Because when you go down in survey ratings, you end up unemployed, So, which I know all about all too well, but that is the nature of my business. So yeah, Simone came along, which was uh, really, really lovely. We had a a good chat. Uh, Again, you can get her book on her website, accessjoyofbusiness.com. She's got some interesting perspectives on how things could be, not necessarily how they are and how you might change them. How could they be? How else could they be? Because you can always look at something from two sides, three sides, four sides. What's another way to look at it? And she offers some really interesting insights. I hope you get some breakthroughs out of this. I I sure did. So, uh, yeah, enjoy the show. You?
3: I'm awesome yeah? <laughs> yeah
2: Welcome thanks so much for coming you've driven from uh, about two hours away
3: yeah Perigian Beach yeah two yeah. hours away yeah. For folks
2: who aren't from this part of the world can you describe Perigian Beach?
3: Oh I love it It's absolutely stunning It's like I live across the road from the beach so it's and one of the best surf breaks on the coast as well uh, so it takes me like 30 seconds to get to the water from my house you can hear the ocean in my bed and it's like there's birds everywhere. It's fantastic. I really love it.
2: But it's just a little outside of a massive tourist hub, but not.
3: It is. You know what? I think we live in a street that's a little bit more no no one knows about it. Ah. <laughs> it's like a locals area. Oh, right. Even the surf break across across the road, I don't think tourists know about it. So
2: Is it a beach break or a point break?
3: No, it's a beach break. Ah.
2: Yeah. Right. Cuz yeah. everyone's around the corner at first and second Exactly. Point exactly.
3: You got it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like right. on the weekend. <laughs>
2: Got it. Mm-hmm. So did you grow up uh, up there?
3: No, I grew up in Sydney. Oh, right. Yeah. And born and bred in Sydney. Yeah. Which yeah. Bit? Oh, uh, born and bred in Cronulla, but uh-huh. then I went to like a private school at, um, in Potts Point, St. Vincent's College. Uh-huh. And then I did the inner west and lived in Newtown and Glebe and all of those different areas and then did everything that I did and then went, all right, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I need to get out. Yeah. It's like, it was, yeah, it was too much the city for me.
2: No, that's, 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 interesting. Interesting. I remember when we used to travel around the country, uh, when I worked for Channel V, which is a music mm. television station, we'd go around the country, we'd go to regional areas and some people would go to some towns, population 1500 right. and people would be like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I went to the city once. Didn't like it. It's, right. It's too much. <laughs> I get it. You know, right. I really understand that.
3: Well, yeah. I did the huge party lifestyle big time. And I was, it just got, you know, too much. It was just like, okay, this is not actually really what I'd like my life to look like. Yeah, Like just doing the huge party scene and worked in the music industry for years and did all that. And was just like, no, I, I need out. So I, I moved to the central coast. So it was only an hour and a half out of Sydney, but it was like, yeah. right, it's a little bit. And then I ended up moving to Brisbane. And then the Sunshine Coast, and I travel like 10 months of the year now, so yeah. I'm only home two, three months of the year. So right. when I'm home, I love being around the beach and being yeah. around the nature and the birds and my dog and all of that.
2: <laughs> what was it uh, that you wanted to be when you were a kid at St. Vincent's uh, Private School?
3: Uh, you know what? The only, it sounds strange, but the only thing that I ever spoke about was having my own business. Yeah. I really wanted to run a business, own a business, and create one. Because to me, I was always like, wow, well, this is like the most creative thing you can do. And it's like, it's, it's malleable. You can change it. You can be anywhere. You can create anything. So I always spoke about, you know, owning my own business or something like that. You know, people spoke about going to college or getting married and having kids. And it was like, no, I want to travel and own my own business. And Two things.
2: what were the business ideas that you were coming up with when you were in high school?
3: You know what? I didn't really have a sense of the exact sort of business idea I had, I, I ended up traveling and I went to, I spent quite a bit of time in London mm. and I was doing one of those, you know, backpacker things, living in a house, a three bedroom house with 21 people with one bathroom. And, you know, oh. I know, but you know what? I never, ever remember waiting for the bathroom. So, you know, it worked in some way. 21 people in a three bedroom 21 house. people. There was a lot of people who worked night shift. All the South Africans worked night shift. So it was, I don't know, it, it was fun at the time. Would I want to do that now? Absolutely not. (laughs) But when I was living in London, so part of the thing of like getting out of the house, I used to, I didn't have much money at the time. So I would buy one of those, uh, you know, the tickets and you'd ride those big red buses from one end of London to the other. And I would write poetry at that time, you know. Of course. Very profound, of course, yeah. But what I looked at was... Was I looked at everyone as we went by and it sort of seemed to be that no matter what religion they were, how old they were, what color they were, if they were wealthy, if they were poor, I didn't see much happiness in the world. So for me, I was like, wow, what could I create that could change that? So I literally wanted to change people's points of view about their life and about the earth, the planet and how we are on it and not buy into the trauma and drama and it's like, what would it look like if we didn't function from anger? And it's like, if there was more kindness in the world, more generosity of spirit. So I started a business called Good Vibes For You. And we started with uh, t-shirts and magnets and stickers, you know, things that I perceived if someone read it, maybe it might change their reality for even a second, mm. you know, make them think about something different. Yeah. So, so I started with that and had that for quite a few years and it was pretty successful. <laughs> we even had bottled water, uh-huh. um, Good Vibes For You bottled water. Uh, and then I actually met Gary Douglas, the founder of Access Consciousness, and I went to a seminar he did in Sydney and everything he was talking about was what I knew you could create on this planet. So I was uh-huh. just like, oh, this guy has like, you know, besides me shaking people on the shoulders and going, hey, there's got to be something different. Yeah. This, this can't be it. And it's like, and he had these tools and processes to change things. So then I got involved in Access and yeah. I still had the business good vibes for you, but I've played in so many different businesses. and. Yeah. Just love it.
2: You ran, you ran into a bit of trouble somewhere along the way, didn't you? I did run into a
3: bit of trouble. <laughs> I've run into lots of trouble, but you know what? <laughs> some you can talk about, some you can't. But like cash trouble. I've had trouble. a colourful life. Cash trouble, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah, I well, I'm very good at spending money, but I've also been good at making money, but very, very good at spending money. So at one stage, I found I was being completely ignorant of my financial reality and... One day I sort of looked at it and went, you know what, Simone, no one else is going to change this. So you have to be willing to change it. You have to, you know, look at this. So, because I would be like, you know, you want to go to Melbourne for the weekend? Sure, let's go, you know. And I wouldn't be like, oh, let's not eat at that fine dining restaurant. Let's, let's go for it. Let's have fun. And, and that's what,
2: so just just, mm. just backtrack, you've said something very profound, completely ignorant of your financial yeah. reality. Now what, you just mentioned some symptoms, but what drives that? What drives being ignorant of your financial reality? Just wanting to ignore that I "I can't afford such a thing or?
3: Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think it's, there's a few things and I think one of them is denying your value because I think most people don't see the value of what they are and what they can be. So therefore they may not perceive that they can create as much as they could. Um, I mean, if you notice most of the people around in life, they're not sort of going, I mean, next time you go to a dinner party or something, everyone's usually complaining about how much they've got to pay on their credit card or their money problems. There's no one that goes, you know what? I'm doing great. I've earned heaps of money this month. It's like credit cards are paid off. It's like, woohoo, having fun with money. It's one of those things that people have as a commonality of purpose to complain about. Mm. So, and I think you tend to create, I mean, most people feel more comfortable in debt than not in debt. And I was $187,000 in debt at one stage. This is when I decided to can up all my bills and go, okay, what's actually really going on here?
2: (laughs) What's, okay. That's not just a couple of trips down to Melbourne and a couple (laughs) of dinners at a fancy restaurant.
3: No, it's not. It's completely being—it's completely in denial of what you are spending your money and on. And that
2: takes some wheeling and dealing to get hundred and eighty-seven thousand dollars worth of credit. Do
3: you know what? I'm really good at getting loans. I'm Whoa. really good at convincing people to maybe invest in something or do something like that because I have this level of enthusiasm. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to work, you know. And some of it does work, and then some of it doesn't work. And it's like, I guess I sort of, you know, the stuff that didn't work is what I chose to. Drag me down in that instance,
2: boy. Mm. So what was the? You must have been avoiding counting them up for quite a while, knowing well, it was there.
3: Yeah, I mean there were some really big loans I had, and I was sort of you know chipping away at that slightly, but but not uh, paying it much attention. And when I chose to have a look at it, I actually went through all my bills, went through all my you know credit card statements on the computer. And I rang every single person that I owed money. And I was like, hey, look, this is where I'm at. I owe a lot of money. I know I owe you money. And I am going to try and pay you back as soon as I can. I don't have the money today, but I'm going to try and pay you back as soon as I can. And one of the main uh, people that I owed a lot of money to, he was like, hey, can I take you out to dinner? Like him and his wife. And I was like, you want to take me out to dinner and I owe you all this money? And he's like, Simone, we, we're really grateful for you. We know that you'll pay. We'll know that it'll work out and thanks for calling. And I see so many people not do that. Like they will avoid it. They won't answer the phone. They won't open um, mail and it's like, or they won't answer emails or they'll just pretend it doesn't exist. And it's like, you are the only one that can change your financial reality. So you've got to start making the choices that are going to change it.
2: That's quite a, a discussion. That's quite a mindset to come to, though. Yeah. Surely there was one moment when you you felt defeated by that weight of $187,000. Like, well, I don't have that money. Surely <laughs> there must have been a moment that you were like, I'm in a lot of trouble.
3: Yeah, there was. Yeah, um, definitely. And the tools that we use in Access Consciousness, though, sort of started to help me. Because I, I, this is where I started to... I was at a seminar and I'm listening to these two guys, Gary Douglas and Dane here, talk about these tools that can get you out of debt. And I remember when I gave up smoking and no one was, you know, hey, Simone, you can do it, you know. Everyone was like, yeah, right, you'll end up having a cigarette, you know. And I thought everybody would be very, you know, um, encouraging to give up smoking. And I realized that that wasn't happening around me. So... I ended up smoking again, and then when I chose to actually give up smoking, I didn't tell anyone, and I did it on my own, You know, and it took two weeks before anyone realized that I wasn't smoking, and I was like, oh, I think this is the same thing. I mean, I'm sorry, I, I wish it was different, but I really don't see people walking around encouraging you to be everything that you can be. They want you to be something that you can, that you can fit into something so that it's acceptable and it doesn't freak them out. Of where they're at or wh- where they're not choosing. So I sat there listening to these tools and I was like, okay, I'm gonna to choose to do this and I'm not gonna tell anyone. What's the worst thing that can happen? <laughs> Get in more debt, you know, and use some of these tools. And it's like, because one of the tools, which makes no sense to anyone who owes any money, is putting 10% of absolutely everything that you earn away just for you. So you put, you own a dollar, you put 10 cents away just for you. And people go, oh, is this for when I'm in trouble or is this is to pay my bills or this is for a rainy day? No, it's just for you. It's an honoring of you. So I started to do this and I made the commitment to myself for three months, I would put 10% of everything I earned away, even though I had these big pile of bills, right? So it doesn't make any sense, not in a logical way. But if we could work everything out with our logical mind, we'd have everything we ever desired. It's the insane points of view that lock us up. So I put 10% away and what I noticed was at the end of three months, I had a different sense of peace with money because I had money in a bank account and I have not spent any of that in all the years. It's like, why would you, I mean, that's another thing. People hide from money.
0: Mm.
3: Like I earned over a million dollars last year and now I'm saying it on your, you know, podcast. And I realized at that time when I did earn over a million dollars that I didn't want to tell anyone. I didn't want anyone to know. Mm. And I was like, wow, why wouldn't I want anyone to know? And not like you're walking around going, hey, (laughs) Mm. I just earned over a million dollars. But it's like, I I deserve that and more. Like, what if that was just the gratuity that anyone could earn and create? And it's not about the money either, which is the funny thing. So, I mean, my point of view is what can you create in the world? What can you change in the world? What are you being in the world today?
2: When you talk about, just because I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of people can relate to the part about being in debt and certainly owing money. Mm. I mean, perhaps not $187,000, maybe more. And (laughs) the hiding from it and the denying of it being there, it takes an enormous amount of headspace to hold that pain and guilt and shame that we put upon ourselves. Mm. What happens to all those feelings when you turn around and take responsibility for it?
3: Well, one of the things I did too was I looked at it and went, okay, how could I pay off this $187,000 in debt with ease? And instead of going, because it's very, um, if you go, oh, in the next six months, I've got to do that. That's a lot of money to pay off in six months. So I worked out over three years, how much would I have more would I have to earn a month to pay this off? So I started to sort of break it down a little bit. uh, And it was quite thrilling when you did start to, you know, earn more money. And I earned money in the most random ways once I I made that demand and that commitment to myself to do that. Uh, And one of the things that um, I noticed too, when I was on my computer and I'm looking at everything, when I had got out of debt and I looked at my accounts and I looked at everything and I was sitting in my office alone and was like, oh, I have money. And I wasn't in debt anymore. And I was literally like, Oh, this is it?
2: Yeah. Where's the fireworks? Yeah, Yeah, where's the Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: I was like, This is it? And I was so not disappointed, but I realized that somewhere I was disappointed that it should have been like, you know, there should have been some sort of congratulatory thing coming in, you know. And two weeks later I found myself back in debt. But I was willing to be because I had made that demand that I would become more aware of my financial reality. And I was willing to sort of go, Oh, what do I love about being in debt? And it's interesting. I know when I said that before, it's sort of got that energy of like, really? People love it? But if you're creating it, somewhere you love it. So it's like if you ask yourself, what do you love about being in debt? And it's like, I mean, in my workshops and things like that that I would do, you know, you ask this question quite often. And a lot of people come up with like, oh, because then I'm the same as everyone else uh, or I'm not earning as much as my partner or I'm not earning as much as my family or, you know, all these different points of view that we have. And money's just money. It's like, I mean, you're the source of creation, not money. And it's like, but people make money the most significant thing.
2: Would you say, uh, that taking responsibility for that debt rather than running from it gave you a sense of freedom to act?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And it, it, um, it reverberates, you know, upon others. Like I said, you know, one of the people that I owed the most money to was <laughs> asked me out to dinner because wow. they were like, you know, Hey, <laughs> we, we, su- we want to support you and, and we'd like to see, you know, things change for you, Simone. Yeah. So yeah, I think it takes an effect with other people in the world too. Cause if you look at the energy of all of us hiding from money or hiding from either the amount of money we're earning or the amount of money we're not earning, like they're both judgeable offenses in this reality. And it's like, then what does that create in the world? And I know that there's a much better world that we can create here if we all function from something with more awareness and more consciousness. So and let's
2: say someone's listening right now. I mm. mean, they've, they've got enough, uh, I'm assuming they have enough disposable income to afford a telephone or a laptop to be listening to this show. Right. <laughs> um, but they just resonated right with what you just said. They're like, oh, yeah, I, don't, I owe too much or mm-hmm. I don't earn enough. And there's a judgment about that. How can they change that to something in a more positive sense?
3: Well, first of all, it's like, I mean, one of the things I realized too, when I realized that judgment is, it's like a big black, dark hole, you're judging yourself, judging others. It never creates anything. And it's like, you literally can't have gratitude when you're in judgment. So, and I'm not saying that is easy. It's probably one of the hardest things to do is come out of judgment of you. And it's like most people wake up in the morning and they have this like litany of judgments about themselves. Well, so, I'm too,
2: I'm too fat. My car's not good enough. Absolutely, I slept in too late. Yeah, I haven't finished that report. Yeah, the kids not doing well at school. Therefore, it must be my fault. Well. Haven't
3: found the one. Oh God, <laughs> whole other different topic. Well, so. I'll just
2: say there is no the one. There's just the one that's willing to work on it with you. That's
3: exactly all I say about exactly. That. That's the truth that I've found. <laughs> I I totally agree with you. Luckily, I was never looking for the one and just found an amazing person to hang with. So
0: that's.
2: Well, you can't ask for much more. Exactly. But yeah, so you wake up with all this judgment. What do you do about it?
3: So, okay. Um, so one of the first things you do is it's like ask, okay, so what's the value of judging me? And it's like, what's the value of judging this? And it's like, because you know what I, when I said before, it's like if you could work everything out with your logical mind, it's like you'd have everything you ever desired, but it's the insane points of view that lock you up. So if you're looking at it saying, okay, so what's the value of judging You know, my money situation? And it's like, does it keep you, like I said before, um, in contextual reality, it's like fitting into where everyone else is at. Or it's like, I mean, this is one of the insane points of view I realized I had was I have a brother and two stepsisters. And I remember my father who is now, uh, passed on a few years ago and I absolutely adored him. He was one of the kindest men I've ever met. And I remember he said to me that he would never leave us. He would never You know, die, leave the planet, unless he knew all of his kids were financially stable. Because for him, you know, he escaped during World War II, whole story. And it's like that was very important to him education and financial stability. So I realized that I was creating myself with this financial mess. And I spoke to him to keep him alive. Like, that's insane. That's not logical. And he was like, Oh, Simone, what are you doing? And I was like, I know, it's crazy. And from that moment on is when I actually started creating more because I didn't need to create myself as a financial mess so it's like ask yourself and it's like what do you need to create the financial mess or the financial debt or whatever it is that you are judging and there's a clearing statement we have in access consciousness and it's all it's um uh, everything that that is times a godzillion right and wrong good and bad pock and pot all nine shorts boys and beyonds absolutely crazy clearing statement i know but what it is, is it's like, because everything is energy, right? I mean, even the, the walls here, the molecules here, they're it's all energy. And it's yeah. like the only thing that why we can't put our hand through that, that wall is because those molecules, we've decided those molecules are so, you know, tight together that they've become solid. But in truth, we should be able to.
2: There's so, space between them. Yeah,
3: yeah. exactly. There's yeah. space between the molecules. Mm-hmm. So it's like everything. So this uh, clearing statement... Um, is about the point of creation and the point of destruction of where you create that limitation, that thought, that feeling, that emotion or whatever that is. Like, for example, me deciding, I mean, hearing when I'm like 15 years old that my dad says he's never going to die unless we're all financially stable. And, you know, 10, 15 years later, I'm create creating myself as a financial mess in order to keep him alive. Okay, that's the moment that you decide something or you might decide you're a kid and you see your auntie you know, with a $100 note, and you think, wow, that's a lot of money. So then your whole life you're wondering why you only ever have a $100 notes, a note in your wallet because you've decided at the moment that $100 is a lot of money. So we create these conclusions and these limitations continuously. So this clearing statement, right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds, is something we use in Access Consciousness, and it's about changing the energy. It's not about peeling the layers of the onion and figuring out, you know, who you have to call or who you have to blame or anything like that. It's literally like, okay, somewhere I created this insane point of view. I mean, in truth, it could have been another lifetime. Mm. How many lifetimes were you killed, maimed, burnt, you know, um, for having money? Mm
0: -hmm.
3: And it's like, so then you create this point of view that you will never, ever, ever have money in any lifetime again because all it does is destroy you. All it does is kill you. And then, then you're functioning with this point of view and yet you have these like conflictual paradigms because you're like, I'd like to have more money, I'd like to create more money, create greater wealth, and yet you've got this other point of view going, I will never ever do that again. So this clearing statement, it's crazy and it's wild, wacky, but it works.
2: <laughs> so for again, you've just dropped something that people might be resonating with mm-hmm. in that they think to themselves, either they decided and subconsciously like you did when you were 15, if I don't become financially stable, my father won't die. Mm. Uh, or uh, I've the guy down the road from me bought a HSV Holden and that's the only car that I ever want and that's the best car that can possibly be. Yeah. And then you're driving around in a 1996 HSV Holden mm. thinking, well, why can't I ever get a better car or put myself in a better position? So you, I just want to clarify that what, what you're saying is that we might not realise the boundaries that we're putting upon ourselves. Yeah. So... If people are just sitting here listening and going, oh, hang on a second, and their minds are getting blown right now, what's the most accessible way to just kind of approach how to change those boundaries for people?
3: Well, one of the things I would say is you have to be willing to be aware of it. Because if you're aware of anything, you can change it. Mm-hmm. And if you look at your life, the way you've you know, led your life, and it's like the second, like my financial reality, when I wasn't willing to be aware of it, I couldn't change it. But when I was willing to actually look at it and go, okay, what if I was willing to be brutally honest with myself here Hmm. and look at the situation I've created, not judge it, really important. Like, please don't judge yourself. There's nothing you gain from judging yourself. And it's like, have a look at it, you know, get it out, whatever you have to do, an Excel spreadsheet. It's like, write it all down or whatever that is. And ask yourself, okay, what would it take for me to be totally aware of everything that I've created here financially? Okay, then now what would it take for me to change that? Like questions are imperative because every time we go to an answer or we go to a conclusion, we can't change anything. But if we ask a question, we can change something. The universe is this abundant place. I mean, there's this really old movie called Annie Mame and it's fantastic. She's this extravagant auntie.
2: How's it spelled? M-A-
3: M-A-M-E? Okay. Aunty Mame. It's a great old movie. And there's this line in it where she says, The universe is a banquet and people are starving. Hmm. And it's like the universe is like going, hey, what would you like? (laughs) You know, and it would really like to work with you. And then you go, oh, no, I can't afford that or I can't do that or I could never get that or I could never get a car greater than a Holden or I couldn't travel overseas or I couldn't. And you have all these places where you function from couldn't rather than what would it take? What would it take for me to be able to travel all over the world? What would it take for me to earn over a million dollars? What would it take for all of this to occur? And it's like, you have to ask the questions. And when you ask the questions, then something else can show up. It's like, um, I have a story of a friend of mine who went to uh, Paris and she went there to do some business. She's from the US and she went to do some business and in her head, she was thinking, oh, I'd like to go stay at this five-star hotel when I'm done. But she didn't make a booking. <laughs> she walks into the foyer of the hotel and the guy's like, "What? Well, you know, can I help you? And she's like, she said, well, I'd love to get a room for tonight. And he said, I'm sorry, ma'am, we're full. And she stood there because she didn't really didn't have a plan B. And she was like, oh, how does it get any better than this? Like, what else is possible? And the guy was like, I'm sorry, ma'am. And she said, well, what else is possible? Two questions. How does it get any better than this? And what else is possible? and he said i'm sorry ma'am we're full and she was like sort of stood there nodding her head going yeah what else is possible and he said um just excuse me for a moment and went and got the manager and the manager came out and said what would you like you know and she said well i was just after a room for the night and he said i'm sorry we're full and she was like oh what else is possible and he looks at his uh his you know computer And he said, you know, we have one room available tonight. We have the penthouse suite. We can give it to you for one night only at the standard room rate. And she was like, okay, great. You know, what else is possible? They ended up sending up a bottle of champagne to her as well. Now, if she had gone, oh, I didn't get the room and walked away, nothing else would have happened. But she stood there with no point of view. Like not judging the situation, and she was. I think the other thing is she
2: wasn't demanding. She wasn't stomping her feet.
3: No, she wasn't. She just didn't literally have a plan B. Like she said, she was sitting there thinking, "Oh, do I go have a glass of champagne in the bar? Where you know, see where else I can stay?" And so she just stood there and used one of the questions: "What else is possible?"
0: Yeah,
3: and ended up getting a penthouse suite with a bottle of champagne. (laughs) I was like, okay. So then, how does it get any better than that? And it's like, I mean. Part of the thing that we talk about, like in, you know, my workshops and things like that too, is like, if you're in sales, if you're in any sort of business and it's like so many people going to judgment of how much money they haven't made this week, rather than actually being grateful for the amount of money they have made, or even a customer who came in that didn't buy anything. And it's like, okay, the customer came into your retail shop, say, great. It knows that it it, exists. That person now knows that your shop exists. And if you're like, all right, so what else is possible? How does it get any better than this? What else can show up? And it's like, then you're asking the universe to support you to actually show you what else is possible rather than going, oh, that customer didn't buy anything. I'm never going to sell anything today. You know, I'm not going to make budget. All right, well, that's a great creation. What else would you like to create? Because we create our realities.
2: You're asking, though, like there might be people listening. You've, you've already talked about reincarnation, which is okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure most of the people listening to this show <laughs> will be able to accept that some people believe in reincarnation and, and that's that's fine. Um But you're asking folks to kind of perceive something they might not have realized before. You're talking about if you ask the universe this, things can turn up. Now, some people might be quite skeptical about that terminology. Mm. I have first-hand experience of, um, I guess, just rather than, this job is a perfect experience, this job at at, at Hit 105 here in Brisbane, we're in the studio recording this, um, I just went along to the folks in Sydney that run the network and I said, "Um, I'm moving back to Australia, I would love to do radio in 2016. And they went, oh, really? I said, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to do that. So, you know, there was no jobs open. No one was leaving, um, <laughs> yeah. and that's it. You know, I, but it was. I guess saying I asked the universe, and the universe provided. I asked people, yeah. and people provided. Would you? Would you say the two things are, are interchangeable? Okay, so. Rather like, than saying, like, because yeah, people no, might be a bit know, turned
3: off by the woo-woo. I know, woo-woo. No, I know. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. I don't sit, sit there in the morning going, universe, bring me this. Yeah. But it's like, okay, so you're moving back to Australia and you go, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing radio. Okay. So is there some sort of demand in your, in your reality to go, what would I like to choose when I go back to Australia? Yeah. Yeah, radio. Radio sounds good. Yep. Yeah, that feels good. All right. So who do I have to talk to? And then you make a phone call, maybe a couple of phone calls, and then mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. But if you have no point of view about it too – And then you, I'm sure when you rang up too, they were like, wow, okay, that feels good. All right. So what do we have to do? Like you said, there's no positions available, but it's like, all right, so what do we have to do to make this happen? And it's like, so you, by you asking a question, it's like, I mean, you are asking the universe when you ask a question. I'm not saying sit there, yeah, and go, hey universe, you know, show me how to pay this bill. And it's like, you could say that too. I'm not saying don't say that, but it's like, if you're asking questions and going, all right, so what else do I have to add to my life? what other revenue streams can I create? I mean, I'm super busy. Like I have a really busy life, yet I'm always asking, what other revenue streams can I add to my life? And it's like at the moment we've been looking at um, investing in property up the coast and it's like it seems like a no-brainer to me the way it's growing. So it's like, all right. And it it also feels like fun. That's a really big thing for me and it's Mm. like with money and stuff like that. It's like if it feels like fun, then you know what? You're probably going to end up doing really well at it. Because money doesn't follow joy. It's like, it's, it, I mean, like if you're joyful and you're ha- having fun and you're happy with doing what you're doing, then money will, fo- will show up. But it's like most people when they go, you know, oh, once I get X amount of money, then I'll be happy. And it's like, I'm sorry, you can choose happiness right now.
0: Right. There's
3: no reason why you can't choose happiness right now. It's just a choice. Yeah. So same thing, though. It's like you asked for it. You had no point of view. And it's like, and here you are.
2: Now, so, what else would you like? Yeah. Well, so let's, let's then just, just hook back to something else that you said. Say, for example, someone's listening and they're like, actually, yeah, I'm a month behind on my rent. The school mm-hmm. fees are due for term two. Um, there's about seven grand that I don't have that I need. Mm-hmm. What else is possible? Yep. And the answer is, well, take another day of work a week and maybe drive some Uber at nighttime. Mm-hmm. And that person's like, oh, but I don't want to do that.
3: Yeah. You know what? It's a strange thing for me with that point of view, because I've always been willing to do whatever. Like, it's like, whatever's going to create my life to be what I would like it to be. I've done that. Like when I wanted to go overseas and travel, I took three jobs and I made sure I was working Friday and Saturday nights and Sundays so that I wouldn't go out and drink and party and I wouldn't spend money. Basically, I was like, no, I'm going to work these nights. So I wouldn't be tempted, you know, so, but I, but you have to sort of make some choices that, you know, go drive Uber for two nights a week. And it's like, you have no idea what might show up from that. Who's going to get in your car that could create your life to be different. But if you ask those questions and then you actually come up with something like that, choose it. Choice creates awareness. Now you might drive Uber for four nights and then go, I hate it. I'm not doing that. But maybe you met someone. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you have an awareness of something else you would like to do. Maybe you want to do a newspaper run in the morning. I don't know. Anything is possible. But if you don't choose, you'll never have the awareness.
2: So it's, it's a two-stage process. You, you've, really, you've got to want it and you've got to be willing to put the action in.
3: Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's a, um, a story that Gary Douglas, the founder of Access Consciousness always talks about. And I think is very funny. If you're going to be a prostitute, you can't just sit in the house all day and hope for a customer to show up. You've either got to go stand on the corner with a short skirt on or put a red light outside your door. You have to do something. It's like, take an action step, you know? And it's like, what are you going to create today that's going to create the life that you would like to have?
2: Right. It's your life. And if you choose to be a sex worker, that's very important. It's an important job in the totally. community. A lot of people shun it.
3: It's an, it's, an,
2: it's an important job in the community as far as I'm concerned.
3: If you're having fun, go and, for it.
2: Yeah, and the, the women that choose it, good for you, good for you. And the men that choose it. And the men that choose it, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so when it comes to, you mentioned this a few times, um, access consciousness, uh, it seems to be very much a, a movement that's based in shifting your perception of what already is. Would you say that?
3: Yeah. I would say it's uh, shifting you out of your conclusionary realities, like in the answers that you've functioned from, into a space of possibilities. Like So
2: every all the guys I've met mm-hmm. so far have cheated on me, therefore all guys cheat on me, so I won't ever trust a guy.
3: Yeah. And you know what I would ask is, how did you create that?
2: I'm ah, sorry. That's asking you to take responsibility. It is.
3: I can tell you that every single boyfriend, partner I chose for many, many years, I always chose men who would judge me and my body. And it's like, it worked for me because then it matched the judgment of what I already had and then I could also leave. And then finally, Far I chose out. to change all of that and was like, all right, what would it take for someone to show up that was kind, caring and nurturing? And the person, the my partner that I've been with now for years – I actually wasn't even attracted to him to begin with. And he's one of the most kindest, caring, sweetest men I've ever met. And then when I was like, all right, well, let's see what this is like. And it's brilliant. And it's like, I mean, a relationship should be about two people creating at least 10 to 20 times more than what you would create on your own. Yeah, It's not about creating, you know, that you become less than, which is what so many of us do.
2: (laughs) But part of the, I guess, part of that... You know the, the you you talk we're talking about changing perception mm. and and that is the gift that we as humans have is to change how we see the world. Mm. Um, it can be used for good, can be used for evil, but it seems that first leap if you've if you've always made the choice that you're not responsible to take responsibility for even the smallest thing yeah. can be insurmountable yeah, and terrifying yeah, and the
3: thing is though too, if you look at it as terrifying is it terrifying or is it actually exciting? Because you become way more present with you. It's like, wow, I created this financial mess. I created this, you know, awful relationship. I created the, and it's like, all right, so now is that really what I want to do? I mean, like I said before, this is your life. It's not a, it's not a dry run. This is it. Mm. So are you liking where you're at right now? Or would you like to do something different?
2: Right. So, being, being able to shift your perception of things is is, is 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 what the access consciousness thing is about, and it comes from a place of trying to put more happiness in the world what you originally tried to do in London
3: yeah, totally <laughs> coming out of judgment, I mean the first access class I ever went to, the founder for two days it was called out of the box and he to- and he spoke about not being in judgment, and I mm. remember sitting there thinking, "Wow, a world with no judgment, oh, what would that be like and it's like because I mean you look at nature. Mm. I mean I have so many birds outside my, you know, bedroom every morning, four thirty AM. I'm like, come on guys, can't it be five thirty? Like I'm,
2: know, up, I'm, I'm up, you're for a, up so I'm am up you're for I'm forty five like... minutes by then. Don't you worry.
3: So but you listen to the birds and, and look at the trees, they're not going, you know, oh my chirp is not that great this morning, you know, this this bird sounds better than me. Or the, the trees aren't going, oh my branch is not growing the same way it should, or my you know, my leaves aren't the same colour. They don't judge themselves. They just be, and it's like, and we walk around in constant state of judgment. It's like, I mean, and what I would ask too is how many of the judgments are yours or how many people do you pick up on their thoughts, feelings, and emotions and then start to buy them as yours? I mean, Mm. have a look at when you're, you are out, you know, hiking or in the ocean or somewhere in nature and it's like your world is, becomes quiet. And it's like, and then when you go, like, I mean, I'm just driving into the city today. I was like, wow, this is, you, you forget, you know, I mean, I usually jump on a plane and then I end up somewhere overseas anyway, And I'm, but I'm used to that. But in Australia, I'm so used to being on the beach, on the coast and having this huge sense of space and not hearing like all the voices is pretty much what it is. And it's like, so one of the tools too, is like how many of the thoughts, feelings and emotions are not yours that you pick up on? 99% mm-hmm. of them aren't yours. If you look at, if you're angry and you're just like, what am I angry about? And it's like, oh, it's not even mine.
2: I'm angry because current affair told me to be angry. Yeah,
3: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: I don't know what else to feel, but Tracy yeah. Grimshaw says, be afraid. So I'm afraid.
3: I'm afraid Donald Trump's getting in to be. Uh, <laughs> That's
2: the scary shit right <laughs>
3: there. I am afraid. No. <laughs>
2: well, it'll be an interesting nine months before it will It will be ends. an interesting nine
3: months. Yeah. Yeah. Before yep.
2: Putin and China and him just, anyway. Right. Let's not go there. <laughs> That's all the uh, subject. So, what you've mentioned is you've, 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 you've straight away, you've, you've rebutted two or three of my questions with an, a, a polarizing, and I mean that by the, the sense of the word, like a negative to the a positive to the negative mm-hmm. um, point of view. Um, what are some very common negative perceptions that people walk around with that they could easily switch up today?
3: Well, one of the things you mentioned before is um, about people's bodies. When you were like, "I'm fat," "I'm too thin," "I'm too tall," "I'm too skinny," "I'm not," "I'm too old," "I'm too young," and it's like all of that. And it's like, what if you were n- none of those? What if you were just grateful for you and your body? And it's like, so that's- how are you going
2: to ignore the giant calamity of voices that attack you from Instagram and Facebook all day <laughs> that tell you that you're not okay? Worth so. It?
3: Okay, so one of the tools, one of the questions I would say is, who does this belong to? Because, I mean, do you seriously think you're not worth it?
2: I've done a lot of work (laughs) since I was 19 on this. Okay, and you
3: and everyone listening. And it's like, do you seriously think you're not worth it? And it's like, I mean, that's a really harsh judgment of yourself. So ask, who does it belong to? And when you ask, who does it belong to? If it lightens up, it's not yours. If it becomes heavy, then it's
2: usually yours. And it's who can like, it belong to? Who's some things that who's some people that can belong to?
3: I mean, it could belong to anyone. Say so you, I mean, you work in a in a you know huge office, and it's like you walk in here, and someone's just had a fight with their partner or something, and they're feeling really cranky at their partner, like they want to kill them or something like that. And then you come in here, and you you start thinking about your partner. That's how it happens. You start thinking about your partner and think, you know what? I wish you didn't do that or something. And it's like, well, hang on a second, that's not even mine. Or it's like someone's had someone who's just died and they're really sad and you begin to feel really sad. And it's like, okay, is this sadness mine?
2: But where's the room for empathy in that then?
3: But why, why are you not being... You can be empathetic with somebody, but you're not have to buy it as yours. I mean, do you really want to walk around buying into everybody else's sadness and anger and crank and trauma and drama? <laughs> <laughs>
2: crank. Uh, no, no. But I get I get what you're saying. I get what yeah. you're saying. There's feeling empathy, and then there's feeling unreasonably sad, as in yeah. taking per- personalizing their grief as if it were your own. So
3: could you be more available for someone, a workmate, a friend, if you weren't buying into their trauma and drama?
2: Yeah.
3: And ask them a question, be like, "Hey, what's really going on yeah. here?" I mean, even if you ask yourself that question, "What's really going on here?" Yeah. What am I really creating with this?
2: So, for example, to talk about the body image thing again, before you made this a wonderful discovery of this human being you share your life with now, Your, would I be right in saying that your body image, the feeling that you had belonged to the other guy?
3: No, I had a joke. I would say, cause you usually what you do is if you have a judgment, you'll choose anything that matches that judgment mm-hmm. because it feels the same. It's got the same sort of vibration to it. Yeah. So if I, and my body has been the one thing throughout my whole entire life that I've, you know, quote unquote struggled with. Like that's the place I've always been in judgment. Uh, And it's changed a lot. And it's like, so, but if I have a judgment of my body, right. And then someone comes along and has a judgment of my body. Oh, bam. It matches the energy. Uh So you choose that. I'm not saying it's smart. Sometimes it's like, it's a good thing. We're cute because we're not very smart, but it matches the energy of it. Where if I have someone who comes along and looks at me and adores me and is kind and caring and nurturing, I don't even, I can't even see it. Yeah, because it doesn't match the judgment of where I am functioning from. So, I mean, that's the first thing. It's like, what if you came out of judgment, your life would look completely different.
2: It's but just the very and I think about this because that's what you know a lot of people do all day is they just sit there on Facebook judging things. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm not good enough as that person. That person's having a much better time than me. Oh, I like that. Oh, I hate that. Oh, how dare they write that? Comment, comment, comment. So they spend all day in judgment.
3: Okay, so my main job is the Worldwide Coordinated Access Consciousness. We're in 173 countries. There is thousands and thousands of people I meet each year. Twice in the last 15 years, I quit because I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And the founder was like, why? What's going on? And I was like, I can't handle the judgments. And it's like the amount of judgment that I receive is massive. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've been in the limelight. And it's like you are in the limelight. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so the amount of judgment, good and bad, you receive. And it's like, what do you do with it? So mm-hmm. I quit twice mm-hmm. and then he spoke to me and was like, okay, I want you to have a look at their lives and have a look at what they're creating. And I started to have a look at it because there was a certain few people that I was like, wow, I'd go and have a glass of wine with them. I, I, I considered them great friends. And then I hear all this stuff that they're saying and it didn't make sense to me. And then I started to look at what I had created with my life and what they hadn't created and not as a judgment. But I realized that what they were doing was not judging me. It's like judging what they hadn't done. I mean, how many, I mean, tall poppy syndrome in Australia is, you know, pretty rife and horrific. And it's like, what? Because someone, you know, I don't know, is rich and famous or did it quickly. They didn't put the struggle in. And then they become this judgeable offense. And it's like, are people really judging them or are they judging what they haven't created? Why don't they have that? So what if you just like, it's like a rock in the stream, you know? And it's like all this judgment comes to you and it's like, it's just, you let it go by. And I'm not saying it's easy because like I said, I quit twice. Yeah. And then was like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. And it's like, okay, people want to judge me. They can judge me. I'm still creating what I want to create.
2: What if you find yourself being one of the judgy people?
3: Uh, I, like I said before, when I realized that judgment from this first class I went to, when I realized that judgment was like this big black, dark hole and never got you anywhere. Like I remember being at high school and, you know, hanging with the, I don't know, there was like, you know, 10, 15 of us and we were like the tough popular kids and, you know, got and it's like we were absolute cows to some people. And it's like, but if I look at that, none of that was fun. It was because everyone else was doing it and I didn't want to get left out. And it's like, but that's, and I remember one year I went, you know, I'm not doing this. And I chose not to hang out with anyone I think it was in year 11 and I had one friend and I only hung out with that person and they kept going, you know, why aren't you sitting over here or doing that? And I was like, I didn't cognitively know why, but I knew I couldn't do that anymore. But then year 12, I just went, went back into it. I mean, how many times do we try and fit in? And it's like, and the fitting in doesn't work. So it's like, do you truly judge or do you spend most of the time judging you? I mean, how many people have you judged today or do you usually judge yourself? Like that's what usually happens.
2: I spend a lot of time judging myself.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and then you're, and then you get concerned about other people judging you. And it's like, yeah. they're so busy judging themselves that they don't have time to judge you.
2: So the quickest path out of judgment, what would you say it is?
3: Oh, stop.
2: Yeah. Like literally stop. Recognize it. Yeah. Mind.
3: Recognize it and stop. And it's like, mm. okay. And I mean, practice. Okay. One hour a day. Set your alarm. I mean, I set alarms on my phones to remind me about things nowadays too. And it's like, you know, set an alarm. Okay. This hour, I'm not going to judge me for anything. And <laughs> then you, you will. And then the more you become aware of it and it's like, okay, so what if I was grateful for this instead of judging it? And whether it's your mm. body, your relationship, your money flows or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, so what if I was grateful for the money flows, like the $10 I made this week, I'm grateful for it, not going, oh God, I only made $10, you know, it's mm. like turn it into gratitude. So asking like a yeah, question. Yeah. Asking a question. And it's like, cause you, like I said before, you cannot have um, judgment and gratitude in the same place.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, you're right. You mm. work as a, a business coach too, don't you? I do. Yeah. yeah, I wrote
3: a book called Joy of Business because I yeah. love business, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but when I met Gary Douglas, you know, he had all these tools and yeah. it matched the energy of, I was smart enough then to see that that matched the energy of what I'd like to create in the world. Yeah. Even though I, I mean, one of the things, the first thing I remember, he, I went to this four day class and the only thing I remember him saying, I don't think you're like allowed to swear on this, eh? And he said, "You are not as effed up as you think you are." <laughs> and I wrote that down on a piece of paper and walked out after four days. And I read it and I was like, "Okay, cool. I can start
2: with that." Yeah, it's a good place. Yeah, I think. I think generally, uh, unless, oh, uh, generally, you, you no, nobody really is as fucked up as they think they are. No, they think they really are. Yeah, but they're not. Yeah, no, they're, they're not. Really not. But that's it's in many, <laughs> in many places that's actually our ego coming in to say, you know, it's way worse than it is. Yeah. But sometimes it is. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Sometimes it is. So when you work as, as a business coach, do you, are you like the triage? Do people call you and go, help?
3: Um, yeah. People generally want you to solve everything for them in a nanosecond. Yeah. And it's like, well, actually, I'm not going to solve anything for you. I'm going to ask you questions and see if I can get you to look from a different point of view mm-hmm. of how you'd like to create your business. And even if you want to be in it. I mean, yesterday... I was doing a session with someone and she was a beautician and she was complaining about all this stuff. And I was like, so Truth, do you actually want to be a beautician? And she sat there and looked at me and went, oh no. I'm like, okay, cool. So then from there, we can start to look at what can change. Like she owns the business. Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. So let's look at what that is. And then I asked her, so what does being a beautician mean to you? And because you have all these definitions of things that you, do, like I said earlier, you don't even realize and all these different insane definitions she had of being a beautician came up and then when it was like, okay, so what is it for you though? Like, what are you seeing? She's like, oh, well, I like taking care of people. And I like doing all this. And it's like, okay, so it's a different energy. It's a different way you can be in
2: business. So, yeah. So I guess once you've realized, just to use that person as an example, once you've realized where you... Don't want to be. Even if it is, it's, it must have been quite tra- traumatic for her to realize, oh, <laughs> all this stuff I'm working on <laughs> isn't actually what I want to do. To flip that around, is was like, oh, now I can do anything.
3: Yeah, totally. Yeah. She could still own the business. She could employ somebody else. She could look at what parts that she did like. And it's like, I mean, one of the things, you know, we always talk about is there's three different energies that you require in a business and it's connector, creator and mover. And it's like, you know, a connector, someone who's going to talk to anyone at any time, you know, and talk about the business and tell everyone about it. Every business needs that, needs a connection, you know, that connector. And then the creator is the person who sort of, you know, comes up with a lot of the ideas and starts to actually create what the business looks like. And a mover is someone who's willing to see the future. Someone who's willing to know what's required to be put into place today to create that future. And you've got to be willing to have the awareness of the future as well. So, And you may be like a connector creator. So then, okay, I need a mover. Or you may be a mover creator and you need a connector. And I see people come up with these brilliant ideas for business all the time. And it's wonderful. They've got the website. They've got everything up. And it's all functioning. It's working. But nobody knows about it. Okay, you need a good connector. So it's like, and it's not about judging you again. (laughs) It's about looking at the energy and going, all right, what does this business require? actually, you know, come into physical actualization.
2: And how hard is it for people to, you know, action that stuff?
3: Um, I would say it's it's relatively easy once people are willing to stop judging themselves. Honestly, judgment is like the biggest killer I see Mm. because they'll judge that they're not a connector. And it's like, no, this is not about judging you're not a connector. It's about acknowledging that you're not and then ask for one to show up whether Mm -hmm. it's in social media, whether it's like someone knocking on doors or whatever it is. And it's like, but you've got to be willing to ask for that to to show up. But if you're judging what you're not, I mean, most people who have these great capacities, something that you are fabulous at, you usually think has no value because you think, oh, everyone can do that. And it's like, no, they can't. Not everyone can do it. And it's like, you're fabulous at it. So claim only acknowledge it and then find somebody else for something else. I mean, My partner is an awesome cook and I'm not. And it's like, but I'm not going to, you know, he, he just, he makes these sauces for hours on end and they're amazing. And it's like, but he thinks that anyone can do it. And it's like, no, they can't. And it's like, but it's like, so he finds it more like of, not of value rather than actually looking at the value of what you're great at.
2: I've, uh, I've, no, I've got to let you go. Um, I've got a, uh, soon to be stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. She's just turned 12. Uh, you went to an all-girls school? I did go to an yeah, all-girls she's school. she's going to an all-girls school. Uh-huh. Um, what would <laughs> you want her to know?
3: Uh, Okay, so I would say, okay, I did a class many, many years ago and I had a young girl in there and she said to me, do you mean when I ask who does this belong to, that all of that stuff that is going on for all the girls I go to school with is not mine? And I went, yeah, and she goes, you know what, you're not talking about anything that I don't already know, but nobody talks about this stuff. So one of the things I would say is ask, use that tool of who does this belong to? And don't, um, don't not be you. And it's like, and I know it's not the easiest thing, but it's like, ask every day. If I was choosing my reality, if I was choosing to be me, what would I choose?
2: What are some of the answers around that?
3: Well, what if there wasn't an answer? What if it was like, I mean, how many times say, I mean, I've got a niece that's just gone to a girl's boarding school as well. And uh, <laughs> she's very funny. But you say, okay, so it's not maybe not be about the answers. It's like, okay, so every kid is going to do a certain thing or every kid is ridiculing another kid. And it's like, okay, so is that actually fun for me? Is it joyful for me to do that? Mm. And you might have the awareness that it's like, no, it's not actually. And it's like, "Mm, maybe I could be kind to this person and see what shows up. Like, what world do you want to live in? And you know what? Fortunately, I think our planet needs our help a lot. And I also get that the kids growing up nowadays are way more aware. Like I have a stepson and his mother is being very interesting at the moment. And last night we were chatting to him. And we were saying, you know, what, what we could do, like if he could call on that. And he said, but is that actually going to change anything? And we were like, wow. (laughs) Okay. He had more sense. Like we were reacting more than what he was. He looked at it and he went, yeah, but if I do this, that's going to create this. And if I do this, it's going to create this. And he was willing to have a look at it Mm. and not go to some answer or conclusion or try and make someone happy. It's like, if you're not trying to make someone else happy, it's like, what are you, what are you going to choose? Because if you're happy, you're going to create that around the world anyway.
2: So you you would say to her, if she was choosing to be herself today, mm-hmm. what would she choose? What would you choose? What would you choose? Like
3: everyone goes off swimming. Do you want to go swimming or are you doing it because everyone else is doing it? Start with the small things, you know? Right, I get it. Now. And it's like, okay, everyone's going down the shop. Do you want to go to the shop or everyone is not doing their homework? Is that, do you want to do your homework or not do your homework? You know what, what I mean? What if she it's says, like, no, I don't
2: want to do my homework?
3: Okay, then then you've got a whole other problem on your hand. No. Well, <laughs> no parenting is a really big issue. But then there's like no she's handbook. choosing. Yeah. yeah. I,
2: I don't want to do that. Yeah. What would you then ask her? Okay, well what comes with that choice? Well, would you it, ask her to yeah. think it through?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And there's different situations like cuz uh, my partner and I travel a lot and we take our my stepson away a lot with us and then he stays at home with his grandma and which he says he loves because he can manipulate her really well. Hmm. But he also wants to travel with us more. So we're okay if he travels and he's been getting C's and D's. And the other day we were like, we said something to him months ago about, you know, looking at his grades. And the other day he said to Brendan, my partner, you know what, dad, I'm going to go for all B's this year because I want to come traveling with you and Simone more. And it was like, okay, that was his choice. You've also got to allow the kids choice. Yeah. I mean, we were also having a conversation about money the other day and he was doing something that was really not showing much respect for a friend of ours item, like this gold bracelet. And I was like, hey, dude, I was like, do you get that this is like, you know, expensive and blah, 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 and sort of, you know, spoke about it. And in his world, he's like the only kid, he's going to get everything. And we said, you know what, if you don't start sort of, you know, showing, honoring sort of a lot of the stuff that we have around the house or, or what we've created, we can give it all to charity. And it was so funny. You should have seen his face. He was just like, what? Because he decided that he was on a really good wicket. You know, he was going to get everything that we were creating. And it yeah. was like, oh, they'll give it to charity if <laughs> I'm like, you know. So it's like, but you get him choice. Yeah. Okay? About giving the kids choice.
2: That's really interesting. Wow. You certainly left us with a lot to think about today, Simone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. How does it get any better than that? <laughs>
1: well, can it?
2: How does it get better than this? Exactly. That's great. Thanks so much for coming in
3: today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Hey, of course. It's been great.
2: And that was Simone Melissus. You can find her book and everything else that she does, Access Joy of Business. Dot com. That's where you can find her. Lovely lady. Absolutely lovely lady. And I hope you can, you know, enjoy refocusing, reframing a few things that might challenge you this week. Uh, just by asking that question. What else is possible? What else could be going on here? What's another way to look at this? Try and pull yourself out. Well, it's what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to pull myself out of my habitual response, uh, which might be defense or aggression. Not like anger, fight violence aggression but aggression as in defense aggression as a form of defense if you know if you know what i mean Uh, what else could be happening is that a person afraid is that person worried is that person scared is that person does they do they need love do they need support are they responding with aggression when you know they need support there's all kinds of things that i've found that to be very useful this week so let me know send Osher email at gmail.com once again, a big thank you to everybody that brought this show to you. You know who you are, patreon.com slash osher, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot slash osher, O-S-H-E-R. You have helped me afford the wonderful work of Andy Marr this week, who's produced this show, and uh, the exclusive episode that is available as well to all the Patreon supporters who've donated or pledged, I should say, at least five bucks a month. I hope you enjoy that extra super special secret episode Uh, because we sure enjoyed sure enjoyed making it all right i'm going off to a strange wedding in a billy ocean suit have a great week i'll talk to you next time i love you thank you so much for listening thank you so much for supporting the show because you've made absolutely you've made this show possible this week i've been rapping at 5 a.m and kind of falling asleep on the drive on the way home like no shit i was half an hour from home the other morning and i had to pull over and fall asleep at lane cove because i was gonna fall asleep in the tunnel i was gonna nod off so i had to pull over half an hour from home and have a 15-minute nap. uh, We've been working long hours, which is great. We love it. We love making the show, but it does kind of bite into the ability to do other stuff. So you have, without a shadow of a doubt, made this week's show as possible. So thank you so much to everybody that supported at patreon.com slash osher. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, sleep well and dream of beautiful things.